Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, Money Clinic listeners. It's Claire here. This week, I wanted to play an episode from our archive about how to manage your finances as a single person. With inflation over 10% and rising... Negotiating the financial world is a challenge facing everybody. But if you're single, it can feel like the whole system is stacked against you. This episode is full of sound, practical tips about financial independence, amongst other things, and I think you'll find it useful to hear regardless of your relationship status. In a moment, you're going to meet Jenny. She contacted us about her experiences of managing her finances as a single person But first, if you've got something you'd like discussed on Money Clinic, you can get in touch with me via email at money at ft.com. We're waiting to hear from you. Now, on with the show. Do you know that feeling when you're made blindingly aware of your relationship status? A good example was a few weeks ago where one of my best friends uh, got married and we have a group of friends and and I was the only single person at that wedding, basically. Maybe it's fair to say that you get to a certain stage of your late 20s and yes, I am a bit beyond this, but I remember it well when it seems like everybody is suddenly coupled up. Or at least, this is how Jenny feels. I don't think it it gave me any peer pressure, but I I think I put a lot of pressure onto myself overthinking it. And thinking, oh no, I'm, I'm the last one. I'm the last one there. But being single isn't all doom and gloom by any stretch of the imagination. I should know, as I was single for years while my friends were all getting hitched. And post lockdown, my guest this week, 27 year old Jenny, is getting back into enjoying the single life. I think I'm back into the same headspace I was before all of this happened, um, in that, you know, I, I do like being single, I like being independent. These days, increasing proportions of society are single. And recent years have seen other forms of relationship status break further into the mainstream too. Shout out to all the thruples and self-partnered people out there. Emma Watson, we've got you to thank for that one. However, it does still feel like society is very geared towards couples. And I'm not just talking about the countless romantic movies or Sally Rooney TV adaptations that shape our cultural input – From Jenny's experience, it feels like the personal finance world has got it in for single people. She found this when she was flat hunting in Leeds. Well, for example, when I went to initially rent this flat, when I applied to uh, rent the flat, 
I was initially pipped the post and I, I was second in line because there was a couple who were at the top and I, I'm not aware of you know how much they earned collectively in comparison to me but my landlord did actually feel it was a better position to have two salaries. It's all worked out well now but yeah I, I, was, I was a bit mortified by it at the time. Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly podcast about personal finance and investing from the Financial Times. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's consumer editor. This week, we're exploring what's sometimes known as the single tax or single penalty. The idea that people who are not in relationships are financially disadvantaged compared to those who are coupled up or married. Later on in the episode, I'll be getting tips from young money writer and investment expert Iona Bain on how best to shore up your finances without the support of a partner. And I'll also be chatting to alonement guru Francesca Spector about how everyone, regardless of their relationship status, should embrace financial independence. But first, back to Jenny. Hi Claire, thanks for having me. Um, So I'm I'm Jenny, Um, I'm 27 and I live in Leeds. Um, I currently work as a tax advisor um, and I'm single. Brilliant. I feel like I feel like Scylla Black. <laughs> I will now unveil <laughs> three potential suitors. <laughs> I was a bit more excited about being single then. So. <laughs> I managed to catch up with her while she was on her lunch break at work as a tax advisor in Leeds, where she moved to a couple of years ago, just before the pandemic hit. Before we got stuck into her finances, I asked Jenny about her experience of spending lockdown in a new city. Um, I was probably um, part of the boom of the online dating through lockdown, definitely. Um, uh, it, it was a really lonely time. It was, it's just that lack of interaction completely. Um, um, how, how long have you been single oh, for? Oh, it must be like five years now. <laughs> it's, uh, but then we had to discount the last two, of course, because it was lockdown Um but, yeah, it was yeah. banned by the government. It, it was, yeah. yeah, it was against the law for me to have a relationship at that time. Um, but, but yes. Chatting to Jenny, it didn't take me long to figure out that she fits firmly into the highly organised category when it comes to her personal finances. Well, she is a tax advisor after all. But largely, these are skills she's learned out of necessity. I don't have the family support necessarily financially. Even if they could help me, I don't think they would from principle. (laughs) The 27-year-old started training as an apprentice at age 18 straight out of school, saving up to buy her first property in her home village in rural Nottinghamshire in her early 20s. I just saved a lot and I was really strict with myself um, to build that deposit. Um, I took advantage of the help to buy schemes that were around at the time. I had a help to buy ISA. Two years ago, Jenny moved to Leeds. She's now living in a rented flat, but earning some income by letting her Nottingham property to her younger brother, while she repays the mortgage. She's on the property ladder and climbing the career ladder too, but that doesn't stop her from worrying about her finances. I still feel very nervous. I still, you don't feel like you deserve everything that you have. Um, And, you know, everything can change in a a heartbeat, can't it? We, We saw that last year. Mm. Now that that nervousness, that anxiety, what's driving that? Because you're on your own, you're living on your own now, you don't have a flatmate. So you're thinking, if I was ill, or if I lost my job, then what would happen? Exactly, yeah. 
And to counteract that anxiety, I suppose, I meticulously plan budgets and review my, my statements um, and make sure that I have got complete oversight of everything. As a single person, she nearly missed out on renting her current flat. But that's not the only financial challenge. For example, council tax, um, it's a 25% discount um, for a single person. But it's not 50%, is it? So so my, my friends and a couple are, are paying half of that each. Mortgages are another big one. So I wouldn't say that I would need much smaller house than my friend and a couple. Um, so, so actually the house prices around here particularly are, are huge and it would be quite, um, quite difficult for me to get a mortgage at the moment. Um, then there's the weekly food bill. That's another thing. You don't really buy food in single portions. Uh, there's, there's a lot in there, you know, it's either two for two or it's for four people. Um, and there's only so many uh, versions of, of chicken stew that you can have in a week before you get bored. So there's naturally wastage um, and, you know, you, you're paying a lot more money. She also feels the emotional weight of having to handle everything by herself. If, if God forbid, I got COVID um, and I had long COVID and I, and I couldn't work um, because it's hard to actually think, um, then, you know, I, I don't know what I would rely on, really. So how can our experts help Jenny? Just before we hear what she has to ask, let me recap her financial setup. There's the property in Nottinghamshire, the rent she's paying in Leeds, plus she used to have an emergency fund saved up but recently had to spend it on, guess what, an emergency. So she needs to build that back up. Jenny has never invested and doesn't have a stocks and shares ISA. And finally, she pays around £35 a month for critical illness and income protection insurance that would provide a safety net if she got sick or lost her job. I already said she was one of the organised ones, didn't I? Right, Jenny, what would you like to ask the experts? First question is, um, are, do they have any tips in terms of, of anything that they would advise really to a single person? Um, I feel like I've exhausted my brain. <laughs> um, if there's any little, you know, little things that you can do every day, um, they're usually the, the best things to do. Her second question. As a single person, I've never invested in the stock market before. Um, do, do you have any tips of how I can get started? And finally, my third question would be, um, should I sell my current property? And if I did, um, what should I be doing with with the money that I make from that? One thing's for certain, as a single person, Jenny is in very good company. The number of people living alone in the UK has increased by 4% over the past decade, according to the Office for National Statistics. In 2020, the proportion of one-person households ranged from nearly 23% in London to more than a third of those in Scotland and the northeast of England. With so many people living as a single unit, why is society not adjusting to accommodate them? One person leading the charge to champion alone time is Francesca Spector. So uh, my name is Francesca Spector. I'm the author of a book called Alonement, How to Be Alone and Absolutely Own It. And I'm the host of a podcast of the same name, Alonement. Now, tell me about the word alonement. How did you 
come up with it and why? Yeah, so alonement uh, is, yes, a word that I coined. And it was honestly because I didn't have a word in the English language to describe what I was trying to pursue, which was alone time that was beneficial and fulfilling and restorative. And Contentment with being alone, you could yes, say. I suppose, yeah, it, do, it does have that, you know, it has that contentment, it has that sense of sort of, you know, meant in it. It's got that intention behind it. What I was interested to talk to you about more than anything is how finance fits into the alonement philosophy. Yes. So I have had a lot of conversations with members of the community who choose to live alone. And the problem is actually financially living alone and living a single life can be quite difficult. There are many things that you miss out on, many benefits that you miss out on that you might have if you were in a relationship. How often do money issues come up with your guests? If I'm completely honest, it hasn't been a conversation that we've had enough on the podcast. And I suppose quite often it can be almost the elephant in the room when we're discussing these things, because I think that a lot of decisions can be motivated by money. I think that often, mm. for instance, it's the you know the fear of leaving a relationship um, that can often be a financial burden of leaving a relationship and leaving a cohabiting circumstance. But I do wonder if unaffordable housing is one of the reasons why people feel so much pressure to couple up. Mm, absolutely. Unaffordable housing. And also I think the sense that um, I was having this conversation actually with um, Eric Kleinenberg. He's a, he is an American sociologist who wrote a book called Solo about people who live alone. But we, you know, we were discussing the, the fact that actually infrastructure isn't particularly innovative in either in, in the UK or in, um, in America, where, where he's based in, you know, in, in the big cities of New York. Um, you know, in Scandinavia, for instance, they actually have a better infrastructure for communal living. So there are mm. actually sort of almost communities, the same in places like Berlin, where you can effectively, you know, have shared kitchens. It's, you know, it's not dissimilar to a very, very nice set of university halls. Let's hope some property developers are listening. Before coming on the podcast, Francesca reached out to her alonement community to ask them what their experiences were of managing finances as a single person. Lots of what they said really chimed with Jenny's story. From mortgages to bills to food, single people are drawing the short straw with their finances. But Francesca is keen to emphasise the upsides too. Actually, over the process of a long-term relationship, couples, individuals within a couple, they lose confidence in their abilities. So they might, you know, they might think that, oh, I've always delegated the financial stuff to to my partner, the one who is, you know, quote unquote, good at money, the one mm. who deals with the bills. Um, and so you lose the, or, you, or perhaps you never gain in the first place, the sense that you are a self-sufficient human being that is able to do this stuff alone. Whether single or not, Francesca recommends taking a mindful approach to money. I think what's really important as 
an independent person is to explore our emotional connection to money above all else. There are many different types of emotional profiles that we have towards money. Some people almost save too much. Some people spend to try and solve problems like in the same way as emotional eating. And by exploring that as an individual, we can then get a sense of power over our own finances and the decisions that we make. Um, Beyond that, I think that being able to have your own mindful, informed attitude towards money as a single person is always going to be a really important, positive thing. Now, my second expert. I pinged an email over to her after speaking to Jenny and I wasn't quite prepared for how strongly she felt about this issue. Yeah, so I was... um... It was quite a passionate response I sent to you. Iona Bain is a personal finance author, founder of the Young Money blog, sometime FT columnist and single at the age of 33. I really, really relate to Jenny's situation because I've just bought my first solo flat. So I completely understand why Jenny is feeling apprehensive about the future and isn't sure where to turn because I think that we have a system that is very much skewed towards rewarding couples, and in particular, married couples. As well as facing higher living costs, single people lose out on significant tax breaks and find it much harder to get a mortgage. But Iona clearly knows what she's doing with her money, and even for her, taking the financial plunge of getting on the property ladder was being held back by her relationship status. I hadn't fully dealt with the fact that I hadn't, quote-unquote, settled down yet. And I had a touch of tomorrowitis. That's how I would describe it. So tomorrow, when I meet this hypothetical Mr. Right, then I'll make plans to buy a new place. But that's ridiculous because you're staking your entire future. You're planning all your finances around whether you're going to get to date three with some bloke on Bumble. You know, it's just ludicrous. And you can't live like that, you know. And once you realize that, it's liberating because then you just start making your own plans. You start saving and investing on your own. And you do that because you realise that actually in the end you have to take care of yourself anyway because even if you do meet someone, it might not work out. So relationship or no relationship, how does Iona recommend taking steps towards being self-reliant? The first thing she recommends is having a buffer against job loss or illness. Jenny has taken out income protection and critical illness insurance, but she also needs to build up an emergency fund. So the classic rule of thumb is to save about three or four months worth of earnings. There is no harm in continuing to save above that level, as I've done. This is something I would highly recommend everyone gets in place. And saving money is so much more chilled out and cheaper than going and getting a loan. It's just far better to be able to tap that cash if you need to uh, and not have any consequences as a result. And Iona says that your emergency fund should be the same amount regardless of whether you are in a couple or not. I don't think it's right to assume that if you, you know, weren't able to work and you weren't earning an income, uh, then your partner would automatically step up to the plate. You can keep your emergency fund in an easy access savings account or what I do is buy premium bonds. I get instant access to the money if I need it and I might win a tax-free prize in the monthly draw. Then, if like Jenny, you're interested in trying to boost your savings through investing, Iona and I both agree that you need to save up that emergency fund first. I'm such a big believer in having an emergency fund before you start investing, but I am both team saving and team investing. 
Iona's latest investment book, Own It, came out earlier this year. A great place to look if you want some more in-depth advice. I asked her to give a quick rundown of her top three points to help people like Jenny get started. Well, firstly, I would say that Jenny ought to make sure she's maximising her workplace pension. Mm -hmm. Um, Can she and her employer up the contributions at all? And the reason why I asked that question is that we're talking about free money here. Not just free money from your employer, but free money from the government in in the form of tax relief. Uh, Second tip, decide what type of investor you want to be. Tip number two is to really think about how much time and motivation Jenny has to learn about investing, because this is really going to determine what path she takes. And this means choosing from three different types of platform, from a robo-advisor, minimum effort, to a fund with an active manager, medium effort, to using a trading app to do all of the selection yourself. So that's the most adventurous option of all, um, and lots of people enjoy using those apps, but they're not for the faint-hearted. And then Iona's final investment nugget of wisdom. And then number three, try to figure out how much kind of risk you want to take as an investor. If you are investing for your retirement in many decades time, you can take more risks. But if you are investing, you know, just a little over five years ahead in the future for something really important like your first home, well, you need to really understand whether or not you want to risk that money in the stock market. Now, finally... What about Jenny's question about her property? She is still paying the mortgage on her Nottingham home, but she now lives in Leeds, where she's renting. If it was me, I would look at the rent I was paying in Leeds. And and if it was higher than the cost of the mortgage, um, I mean, is Jenny paying her mortgage still? She is. Um, right. the, the rent in Leeds is significantly higher than the mortgage in rural Nottinghamshire. Well, you see, that would just eat away at me. Uh, And I would think to myself, that rent is not being put towards anything useful in the long term. So for me, it would make sense to sell the previous property and try to buy somewhere in Leeds. But really, she's got to consider if she's going to be there long enough to make the upheaval and upfront cost worthwhile. Well, I think there are three key financial equations that Jenny needs to look into before she decides on this. Number one is the cost of selling a house and buying a new one. I'm talking stamp duty, estate agent fees, a new lick of paint for the house she's selling. The second is how much will she be saving by going from paying a mortgage and rent to just paying a mortgage on the hypothetical new property in Leeds. And number three, she needs to think about the future and the possibility that down the line she might want to move abroad or get a job in London or go backpacking for a bit. How much could she rent out this new property for if she were to leave town? Well, I think that would have given Jenny a lot of food for thought. Let's hear what she made of the experts' comments. Honestly, I feel very supported right now <laughs> in my decision. And, and I really I really do like um, that alonement term, um, you know, being content with, with being alone. And that, that, that describes what I'm trying to achieve perfectly, really. And I really hope that both of their comments about financial independence help you to feel more positive about being single and being in charge of your own financial destiny. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, I think I can kind of relate to that tomorrowitis term that Iona mentioned. Um, I think I, I, I definitely do that. I definitely put off things um, thinking, oh, what's going to happen around the corner? 
Now, the other thing that me and Iona particularly enjoyed talking about are the options that could be available to you with your property choices. What do you think about all of that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think I do really do need to think about um, what I do. She's absolutely right about um, rent um, just going nowhere. Um, and yeah, I, pr- I probably need to uh, think about that a little bit more and, and where, I, where I'm going to be. Um, make a decision, I think, is, is, um, is the right term to use. Um, stop suffering from tomorrowitis. <laughs> so, Jenny, following the podcast experience, is there anything that you would offer up as advice yourself to other people in a similar position? Uh, sure, yeah. I, I mean, the point that Iona mentioned about three or four months being your emergency fund, wow, <laughs> that shocked me. Um, so I, I would say that make sure that you've got that. And I suppose the last point is is don't be afraid to be alone. <laughs> be, uh, be happy with yourself and be confident in yourself. Um, it all works out in the end. <laughs> That's it for Money Clinic this week, and we hope you like what you've heard. If you did, spread the word and leave us a review. And if you would like to chat with me on a future episode of the show, get in touch. You can email me, our address is money at ft.com, or DM me on Twitter or Instagram. I'm at Claire B. Money Clinic was produced in London by Persis Love. Our editor is Claire Williamson, and our sound engineer is Breen Turner. And the original music is by Metaphor Music. And finally, the Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to speak to an independent financial advisor. That's a small print over and done with. See you back here soon. Goodbye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.